Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. There we go. God is so good. Would you open up into your Bibles to the book of Revelation? And we are not in the book of Revelations. We talk about this every week. And hopefully by the end of this sermon series, you'll start calling it Revelation instead of Revelations. Not to just be correct, but because there is one thing being revealed in this book of Revelation, which it is... Jesus. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's all about him. And today we are going to be in Revelation chapter four, which is the most beautiful scripture in all of the Bible. I, it's my opinion. And and since I have the mic, I could share my opinion, but this is probably the best passage in all that has ever been written down in the history of things being written down. It's just that good. So Revelation chapter four, we are going to see an image of heaven and it's going to be like this. It's like, we're going to be given a lens to see heaven and we're going to see heaven. Like at one, at some points it's like, oh, we're looking at the lens. And at some points it's like, oh, we're looking at heaven and it's crystal clear. And it's like a rainbow and it's like uh, a ruby that you can kind of see through. And yet it's God himself. And it's this lens we get to see the Lord. It's just that good. So we're going to get into the scripture. We're going to study it. We're going to examine it, analyze it. And my hope this morning is that we won't remove ourselves like because I you know me you know my personality we do nerd alerts in here we talk about Greek and the Hebrew sometimes we get nerdy right that's okay but my hope in that getting nerdy we do not leave the the power uh, the majesty that is in this scripture that we might fully engage with who God is and not just this is not just a brain exercise right right Right. Okay. So I have a son. I have four sons to be exact. And one of them, Rowan, is very analytical. He may get that from me. He's scientific. My undergrad was in biology, which is a great degree to get. If you're going to be a pastor, go biology route. That's... Um, <laughs> But Rowan, he's very analytical and very like literal and examines things and just thinks about things so different. And he can kind of like me take the wonder out of things by like labeling it and lining it up. The other day, it's like uh, a couple months ago, actually, we were uh, up early and the sun was rising and it was beautiful. So Rowan and I went outside and we're looking at the sunset and it just so happened to be June 20th, which is the longest day of the year. And so I said, Rowan, do you know what day is the longest day of the year? And he said, actually, dad, all the days are the same. They're all 24 hours. And I was like, well, yeah, yeah, I, yeah but you, you know, which day has the longest amount of light? And he answered it with a follow-up question. He said, on what planet, dad? And I was just like, Get it, get out of here. Just enjoy the sunrise, can't you? He's the same kid that my wife said uh, the other day, Max was eating some candy. So he did something good, so we rewarded him with some candy. It was like oh, candies of every color. And Max, I mean, every kid loves candy, but Max really loves candy. When he eats candy, his eyes like roll to the back of his head. Like, oh, this is so good. And so he loves candy. So uh, he was eating the candy and loving it, all the different colors, all the different flavors. And my wife said, this is like the closest thing, right? This is the closest thing to eating a rainbow, right, Max? And Rowan heard that and said, actually, the closest thing to eating a rainbow would be inhaling droplets of water. (laughs) What? (laughs) 
The kid is seven. Like, don't get out of here. Stop like overanalyzing everything. So anyways, he gets that from me. And so I pray today that we will not overanalyze this in such a way that it, it, it distances us from the mystery and the awesomeness of who God is. So let's get into the scripture. Um, Revelation chapter four. One more story. Uh, this, this comes from a, a fellow nerd. Uh, do, you guys have heard, have you heard of N.T. Wright? Raise your hand if you've heard of N.T. A couple people. He is like the nerd of all nerds when it comes to Bible scholarship. He's living today. He's from England. People have called him like the modern day C.S. Lewis. And I am actually a fan of that. Like he's that good. He really represents a lot of really good theology and just keeps coming out with books and, and the nerd stuff. But he says that when he was young, when he was a boy, he was 11 years old, he sat down and read the book of Revelation in one setting. And he said it was like a box of firecrackers was being lit right in front of him in his imagination and the beauty and the majesty of the Lord. Like it set him up for life in order to study the scriptures like he does. And so I hope today that, that what we will see in here will be like a box of firecrackers being lit. I have a neighbor. There he is, Ross. Him and I were talking uh, this week, and he said, uh, I can't read the book of Revelation without getting, Revelation 4, without getting chills. And I was just like, yes, yes, that is how we should be reading this text. So that is all the buildup. Let us read it, and then we will talk about it. Would you stand with me if you are able? Uh, I'm going to take, we're going to read this whole chapter, so, so get ready. Do some stretches if you need to. Um, Revelation chapter 4, it's 11 verses long, and it's some of the best writing ever in the history of writing, my opinion. Chapter 4, verse 1, he says, After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. He says after this, because he's just talked about uh, Revelation 3, where he says Jesus is standing at the door and knocking. And anyone who hears will open the door and come in and I will eat with them and they will eat with me. This is the image we will close with today when we go to communion. But this voice, the voice that I heard first speaking to me like a trumpet. We know who that is. That's Jesus, by the way, if if you're familiar with chapter one. And he said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once, I was in the spirit. That's That's the second time he's used this language. Like he's in the spirit having this vision. And before me, was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And so you begin to ask yourself in your imagination, who is sitting on this throne? He never says, but we all know who it will be and who it is. His name is above every name. Verse three says this, and the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, these translucent red stones, and a rainbow that shone like emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones. So you picture it, one throne, 24 other thrones. And seated on them, these 24, were the 24 elders, and they were dressed in white, and they had crowns of gold on their head. Who are these people? Are they like fellow rulers? Well, kind of, but they will, in the end of this chapter, Chapter, throw their crown where to the feet of the crown, of the throne of God. 
Verse five says this, from the throne throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peelings of thunder. This is the line of the Revelation song. We'll sing this song at the end of service today. It's, it's a, a passage, a song on the passage here. In front of the throne were seven lamps blazing. And we know, if you've been familiar with Revelation chapter one, Jesus tells us what these seven lamps are. And so I'll remind us of that in just a moment. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center of the throne were four living creatures. They were covered in eyes, front and back. They had eyes everywhere. They could see everything. They know everything. It's like a group of moms worshiping the Lord. Verse seven, the first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face of a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Verse 8, each of the four living creatures had six wings and covered their eyes all around, even under its wings, day and night. Like that song, night and day, day and night. They, were nev- they never stopped saying, this is a prayer I often pray if I just don't know what to say. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, it like starts this frenzy. Verse 10, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, O Lord and God, to receive Glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. This is the word of the Lord and God's people said, thanks be to God. Lord, we thank you for this passage. Lord, we thank you for this image of heaven being uh, the door open and, and people and, and creatures, your creation worshiping you, Lord, the creator. We praise you. We worship you, God, forever and ever and ever. You are the one who was and is and is to come. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. I have some points for you. Guess how many points I have for you? Three. <laughs> We seem to do this every Sunday now. Uh, it's just a way to organize things. You know, it's, it's triune. So it reminds us of the Trinity. Point number one is this. The door of heaven, door of heaven is open to worship. We are a church, New Life Church, New Life Manitou. We are a church that loves to worship. In fact, the reason why we exist, we exist to make disciples in the Pikes Peak region by calling people to Worship, connect, and to serve. The first word there is worship. When we are not sure what to do, we worship. We give our praise to the Lord. We sing songs. We live our lives. We have times devoted to the Lord. We worship corporately. We worship by ourselves. Day and night, night and day, we worship. Thinking about this very passage and what it looks like to be creation of God created to worship the Lord. And it's this image. It's like, it keeps going day and night, night and day. They're always worshiping. It reminded me, Eric and I were talking about a quote from GK Chesterton last weekend that, that talked about how kids will do the same thing again and again and again with so much joy. We have four boys already mentioned that the youngest one is Theo short for Theophilus, which means lover of God. And he just as every three-year-old does, like again, again, like he'll cover himself with a pillow and pop out and say, hi, dad, and I'll tickle him. And then he says, again, he'll cover himself with a pillow, pop out, hi, dad, and I'll tickle him. And what does he do again? 
The same thing again and again and again. This could last all day again, dad, again, like do it like so much joy. I see this in this image of heaven again and again, these created beings worshiping the creator day and night again, again and again. This can be our lives always before the throne, worshiping no matter what we're going through, putting God in his place that is a Above every place that he has the name above every name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Point number two is this. We're flying now. Worship invites heaven into our present reality. Worship invites heaven into our present reality. I told you that the, the throne is, is surrounded by seven lampstands. And Jesus himself in Revelation chapter one tells us what these lampstands mean. Like so there's some things in Revelation, we don't know what it means. It's mysterious, it's poetic, it's beautiful, beautiful. But some things are explained. And Jesus himself explains what the seven lampstands are. The seven lampstands are the seven churches. Us, like he, this whole thing, this letter, Revelation, is a letter to seven churches. And God's throne is where? Among seven lampstands. And the lampstands represent seven churches. Where is the throne of God? Well, it's amongst us. It's us. We're the church. Reach and touch your neighbor and say, this is Jesus amongst us. Actually, that was a trick question. Don't touch anybody. We don't want to get the flu. <laughs> We're six feet apart. <laughs> Don't mess this up. <laughs> if you're at home and you're watching, we are. We're, we're about six feet apart or so. People wear masks when we're up and moving around. This is as safe as we can do church right now. So don't touch each other and ruin it. But if you did, if you were either courageous or silly enough to touch someone, you have just touched Jesus amongst us. Jesus being revealed amongst us. Like that's where the throne of God is. Amongst the seven lampstands and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Jesus is amongst us. And we invite heaven to earth when we worship. It's like, um, I think there's this theology that uh, is pretty popular, but I, I, there's something about it that's just not correct totally. And it's that we will get to escape this earth if like, you know, if we say the prayer and we have the fire insurance salvation, then maybe one day we will get to just escape this earth. God will pluck us from this earth and, and Satan will take over this earth. And, you know, this earth is, you know, just bad, more bad. And, and we will just get to escape. Like in some people's mind, there, there's this escaping and, and there's something about that. That's, that is what it is. But then there's like, well, what about Jesus coming to us? What about heaven coming to earth as our great hope? Like, like heaven is now and the earth is now, and there are two, I mean, I apologize for the, the sci-fi reference, but like, the, but like there's two universes parallel to each other. And the great hope is, is not just for, that we get to escape and peace out and let Satan rule this place. No, the, the great hope is that heaven will come to earth. Jesus will come here and redeem and renew and make everything right. And even the dead, those who have gone before us, will rise and we will live and reign with him here with new earth and new body and heaven will descend. The new Jerusalem comes down. Like we'll talk about this more and more throughout the book of Revelation. But if you just, if you want to get ahead, if you want to do your own spoiler alert, read Revelation 22 and see just how many times Jesus says he's coming. Like this is our great hope. Look, I'm coming. My reward is with me. 
Revelation 22. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. It ends with amen. Come Lord Jesus. Like Jesus is coming. And when we worship him, it's not like we get to like, like we're, I don't know. I think about like an addict trying to escape the problems of their life by escaping. Like, no, that's not what worship is. Worship is inviting God and his fullness fully to us on this earth. And if Jesus is here, then that's, that's why we care about the poor. That's why the last book of the Bible, we were in a series on James, says true religion is this. True religion looks after the orphan and the widow. We take care of each other. We love one another. Here, we're not, our, our great hope isn't just to peace out and escape, like, like, like just leaving. No, our great hope is that Jesus is coming here and we pray like in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Point number three, last point here is this. Worship puts God in his right place. Worship puts God in his right place. That's what worship is. Let me relook at this passage. Verse eight in Revelation 4 says, there's four living creatures and they're the ones with the wings and eyes and day and night. They say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty who was and is and is to come. And then these creatures start worshiping. And I said, it like starts a worship frenzy where these 24 elders, they start worshiping. They throw their crowns and they say, you are worthy, Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. And by your will, they were created and have their being. So we as creations of God. We are not the creator. We are not God. When we worship, it puts God in his rightful place as the creator. And we recognize ourselves as his creation. We do that by singing. We do that by uh, praying. We do that by worshiping with our lives. We do that when we read the Bible. We do that when we invite him in. We do that corporately. We do that on our own. This is what worship is. It puts God in his rightful place. And when God is revealed amongst us, well, you know what? He's good. He's a loving God. Chapter three ended with this image of Jesus standing at a door and knocking. He says, anyone who hears me, anyone who opens this door, I will come in and I will eat with them and they will eat with me. And then Revelation 4, what we just read today, says, and there's that door standing open. And now the throne of God is open. And when Jesus is revealed, we find out he is a good God. He wants to have fellowship with us. I've told this story uh, a little while ago, maybe a year ago. It's just such a good image. It's like a pastor's um, uh, analogy story. It's about a woman who lived a long time ago in a little village in a tiny little shack that she rented. And she's a widow. She has no one looking after her. Health is in poor condition. She doesn't have enough. She makes a little bit of money here and there, but often doesn't have enough to pay rent. And things got harder and harder for her. She can't make rent. She can't pay. And so the landlord is going to kick her out of this little shack, leaving her homeless. And she goes to church. And so the church gets wind that that she's in need. And Church does what we do. Like we do this stuff all the time, you guys. Like we hear about a need and we just go out serving. Like this weekend, people did that. There's a 
family amongst us that's sick and don't worry, they're quarantining themselves. They're not here. And so some of you, I know who you are because I hear things, went out and got a care package and went and dropped this off on the doorstep of this family that, that the parents got sick. And it's like, this is what we do. We take care of each other. So in the story, the church hears of this woman's need to pay rent church makes a little offering. They, they get some cash together. They give it to the pastor. It's enough to pay for a couple months rent. The pastor goes over to the house, knocks on the lady's door, hears some rumbling inside, and then it's just quiet. Pastor knocks again, knocks again, ends up just leaving. I'll come back tomorrow. Pastor comes back the next day, goes up to the door, knocks, do, do, do. again, hears rumbling. The curtain, he like, the, the curtain just closed and he knocks again. He knocks again. No answer. He says, well, I guess I'll just see the woman on Sunday. Sunday rolls around, sees the woman after church. Pastor gives her the cash. This is enough to pay for rent for several months. It's like, wow, praise the Lord. This is awesome. And pastor says, but I have to know, I, I went to your house twice this week and, and was going to give you the money then. Um, and I thought you were home, but, but you, were, were you home? And she says, oh, I thought you were the mean landlord here to collect and to kick me out. And I wonder how many of us, you know, this image of Jesus standing at the door and knocking, and we're not really sure exactly who he is. And some of us might think he's the mean landlord here to collect what is rightfully his and he's going to take it. It's like, no, no, no. The, the, the one who stands at the door and knocks is the one who wants to come in and eat and you with them and he with you. He wants to share a meal, a meal of salvation with you. Would you stand with me? We're going to receive communion. And this communion in the little baskets is how we're doing it now. You'll find the communion elements. Um, if you're here and you're standing and there's the, Jesus is knocking at the door of your hearts and he's inviting you in for a meal to eat with him and he with you, well, then this is for you. The bread and the the cup are to celebrate our belief and our faith and our worship in Jesus. And so, could you give me a cup, Mark? Is there one right there? Um, Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread and he was amongst his, thank you, Michelle. He was amongst his disciples and he took bread and he broke the bread he said, this bread is a representation of my body. Just like you need to eat food, you're going to eat this bread and remember my death until I come again. So he takes the bread, he breaks it, he gives it to his disciples. And now we, as saints living 2,000 years later, can receive this as Christ's body to us, this mystery of grace in among us inside our body. So let's receive the bread together. That same night, Jesus took a cup. He said, it's the cup of a new covenant, cup of my blood shed for those to remember Christ's death and to receive this new promise that in his blood, in his death, God become one of us that we might receive this and have inside of us God's grace, God's forgiveness, God's mercy inside of us. So Lord, we take this bread, we take this cup now and we receive it in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
Let's continue to worship the Lord with this last song.